must understand that and realize that we are in a spiritual battle. The Bible says, the Bible tells us that we have been enlisted by the Lord Jesus Christ. We've been enlisted as soldiers in God's army. So uh, Paul told Timothy and talked to Timothy about warring a good warfare. Fighting the good fight of faith. So, you know, living for Jesus is the greatest life that anybody could live. Amen. It's the best life. It's the greatest life. But it's not a life without conflict. It's not a life that is free from conflict with the enemy. There is an invisible war that's going on, and we are are involved in that conflict. And the Bible talks about that. And uh, so today, I want to continue along the lines of our spiritual warfare. I want to talk about being dressed for battle, being dressed for battle. And in 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, um, Paul tells us in verse number 4 that the weapons of our warfare, and he tells us here that we have, that we do have, that we're in a warfare, number one, but that we do have spiritual weapons that God has given to us to fight and to be victorious in this warfare. And he says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not fleshly weapons. But these weapons are spiritual weapons, and they are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. So the weapons that the Lord has given us, the spiritual weapons that he's given us, are powerful weapons, and they're mighty weapons through God to pull down the strongholds of the enemy and to defeat the powers of darkness that come against us. And those powers will come against us. So then, if you want to flip over now to Ephesians, where we were last week, in Ephesians chapter number 6, and I'm, I, I'm just going to read a few verses, beginning with verse number, let's begin with verse number 12. Um, And here the Apostle Paul is going to be talking about our weapons. He had told the Corinthian church, we have weapons that are mighty through God, spiritual weapons. And so now he's going to be talking about the armor that we have, the protection that we have in this invisible war against the powers of darkness. And in verse 12 he says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. So it's not a... It's not a battle or a fight or a war against people or against individuals. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, and against the rulers of the darkness of this age, and against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. We talked about our enemy last week. Do you remember that? We, gave, we described our enemy, who he is, how he operates against us. And Paul talks there in verse 12 about the enemy. And then in verse 13, he, he begins that verse with the word, therefore. Therefore, or because we have these spiritual enemies that are arrayed against us, let us take up, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to what? to withstand in the evil day, the evil day being the day of attack, and having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, 
and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And I'm going to stop right there. We're going to deal with a few pieces of this spiritual armor and the weaponry that we have to fight this invisible war today and make sure that we come out victorious. So I'm talking to you today about being dressed for the battle. Father, thank you for your word today. We ask you for the help of the Holy Spirit, for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Lord, that you will give us the words to say, think through my my mind and give me the precise words to say that will be a blessing and will be a help unto this church, to your people today. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Well, there's no doubt that the enemy is going to come against us. We know that. We established that last week. But you know, there are times we can almost predict when the enemy will attack us. Because I believe there are five specific times, and he can come against us at any time, but there are five specific times that you can pretty much expect an attack from the enemy. The first one is during times of spiritual growth. If you are growing spiritually and you begin to take significant steps of faith for spiritual growth and development in your life, you begin to draw close to the Lord, you can expect the enemy to come against you because he doesn't want to see you grow in the things of God and become a strong Christian. If he can keep you weak, he can keep you defeated. So at times of spiritual growth, and that's where many Christians are caught unaware, and they just give up and quit. You know, they think, well, I'm drawing closer to the Lord. I mean, I'm praying and I'm reading the Word. I'm going to church. I'm, I'm, I'm spending time with the Lord. And not that that merits us anything, but it just does. It does work to draw us closer to Jesus. It, it, um, it, it, it attributes to our growth in grace and our spiritual growth. And so a lot of times Christians will be caught unaware because as they're growing in the Lord, they face attacks of the enemy. So if you're growing in grace, if you're growing spiritually, you can expect some attacks of the enemy. Also, at times when you're invading enemy territory, when you're sharing your faith with others, when you're reaching out to witness to others, when you're um, praying and interceding for others, there's times you become a threat to the kingdom of darkness. Now, if you're just not doing anything for the Lord, you're not much of a threat to the kingdom of darkness. Some, some, you know, and we've said this before, people say, well, the devil never bothers me. Well, maybe you're going in the same direction. Amen. Do you ever think about that? So, you know, uh, if you are uh, invading the enemy's territory and becoming a threat to the kingdom of darkness, he's going to attack you. But don't stop invading his territory. Amen. Keep fighting that good fight of faith. Other, another area that we can expect attack from the enemy is in times when I'm doing what I'm doing here today and in the last couple of weeks when we're exposing the enemy, when we're exposing the tactics and the devices of the devil. 
When we're teaching and preaching on these principles of spiritual warfare, Satan doesn't like to be exposed. He's the prince of darkness. He hides under cover of darkness. And any time that ministers or whoever it may be begin to expose his wiles and his strategy and his operation through the Word of God, he doesn't like that. He's a deceiver. He wants to keep you deceived. Amen? But that's why we're teaching on this a particular subject is because we want you and God wants you to understand that uh, that who the enemy is and what power you have against him so when we're exposing the enemy and teaching on these principles it's an opportunity for the enemy to try to stop that and hinder that but he cannot do so when you break with the world when you break a long held pattern of sin um, or an unholy relationship that's also another attack a, a, a time of attack of the enemy. But one of the, one of the I think the, the, the main ones is that when there are blessings to come in your life, when God is getting ready to do something good in your life, when he's up to something good in your life or in the church or in your family or in the ministry, um, spiritual opposition always comes at that time because Satan, he's not not omniscient, but sometimes he can know when God is getting ready or the plan God has to do something good for your life, and he will oppose you and come against you to try to stop the blessings of God. I always, and I've said this in the past, when the devil goes to messing, I know God's going to start blessing. Amen. And he, he does do that. So Satan doesn't want you to live in the blessing of the Lord, but you need to stand in faith for those blessings and know that if you're faithful to the Lord his blessing is going to come into your life so effective armor when we when we see these areas of attack effective armor is crucial it's a crucial element in our spiritual warfare thank God the Lord did not leave us defenseless in this battle that we're in and if you leave any area of your spiritual life unprotected the enemy will take advantage of that chink or that crack in your armor. We are told in the word of God not to give a place to the devil. Not to give him an opportunity. Not to crack the door in any way to let him in. I've told him before I think here recently in the prayer meeting we talked about that verse of scripture and I said it's like that that door to door salesman when he wants to get in. Don't open the door and let him in. Keep the door closed and that's what we have to do against the enemy God has given us this armor and so we must not leave anything in our spiritual life unprotected I think some of you can identify with this today have you ever come to a place where you've, you've you know where Satan found a weak spot in your life where the enemy found a hole or a chink or a, or a break or a crack in your armor and that's the place he attacked and that's the place that he hit you hard. Maybe he came against your, your marriage or your, your domestic life, your home life, your family, your children. Maybe it was attack that Satan brought against your finances or your peace of mind. You name it. If there's, a, if there's a crack in that armor, if there's any place that we leave an opening for the enemy to come against us, he will take advantage of that and he will attack in that area. That's why Paul says, check your armor. 
put, put on this spiritual armor. Take up the full armor of God so that you can stand victorious against the opposition of the enemy. Amen. There's no excuse, there's no reason for any believer to be defeated in this spiritual warfare because God has provided you with everything that you need to win this battle. Can I get an amen? He's not left us defenseless. So let's look at a few pieces of this armor this morning. The first one that I want you to notice in verse number 14 there, Ephesians chapter 6, where he says, verse 14, he says, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, I'm going to talk about this breastplate of righteousness, and we'll come back in a moment momentarily to the, um, to, to the belt of truth because these two kind of go together. But the breastplate of righteousness Paul mentions here, and the breastplate was a very important piece of armor to that Roman soldier. That soldier's breastplate covered the midsection of his body from just below the neck down to the thigh area. And the breastplate of this Roman soldier was, was known, referred to as the heart protector. And the reason it was is because it, it covered the area of the heart and vital organs that would, uh, you know, if the enemy could get there to the heart of those vital organs, it would be certain death for that, for that soldier. So they called it the heart protector. And this piece of armor is so important to you and I as believers today because this piece of armor, he said, is the breastplate of what? Righteousness. It's the righteousness of the saints. And to, for us today to understand this piece of armor, we've got to understand something about righteousness. And we've got to understand the two aspects of righteousness for the child of God, for the believer. There, is num there, are, two, there are two areas of righteousness, two aspects of righteousness um, and, that are described in the Word of God. And the first one is our position righteousness or our imputed righteousness. Now, I want you to get a hold of this this morning. Imputed righteousness, what is that, Pastor Rick? Imputed righteousness is the righteousness of God that's given to every child of God, every believer, the very moment that that believer puts their faith in Jesus Christ and receives Him as their Lord and Savior. And I want to say righteousness means a right standing with God, being right with God. You hear people talk about that. Are you right with the Lord? Well, they're talking about the righteousness of God, the righteousness of Christ. So that, that positional or imputed righteousness is the righteousness that is imputed to us, imparted to us the moment we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior. How many of you here today say, well, I've done that, Pastor Rick. I am saved. I've accepted Jesus as my Savior and my Lord. Amen? Praise God. Well, if you have, then, then he has imputed his righteousness, the righteous of, righteousness of Jesus to you. Those who have placed their faith in Christ as Lord and Savior have been declared righteous, have been declared justified before God. This is the act of justification. It's a big theological term. And I know, you know, a lot 
lot of preachers don't talk about justification or glorification or sanctification because we've been told they're telling us now in the church world today, well, that's Christianese language and the world doesn't understand that. Well, they need to understand it. Amen? I'm not changing my language for them. They need to understand what justification means. The simple thing, the, the simple definition of justification means that we have been declared innocent. We've been, de- been declared by God not guilty. It's just as if I had never sinned. Oh, hallelujah. Man, I'm telling you, that is some exciting stuff. And, then, and, and those who have placed their faith in Christ... When you got saved, you were declared not guilty. All the sin, all the sin was washed away. And the charges that were against you in the, in the, in the courtroom of heaven, all the charges were dropped. Come on, somebody. Woo, that's enough to shout about right there. All your sin was washed away. All the charges were dropped. And you then received, had imputed to you the very righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Righteousness is not something that can be acquired by your good works. Paul had a lot to brag about and boast about in in his past life as being a Pharisee and being a Hebrew of the Hebrews and circumcised on the eighth day. And he talked about all of those things that he did you know uh, when he was under Judaism but you know what he didn't have the righteousness that he had was just self-righteousness and I've told you this before our own self-righteousness is as what filthy rags in the sight of God so we got to have some righteousness better than what we can conjure up because we can't conjure up any righteousness we've got to have some righteousness that comes from Jesus there's only been one that's kept that law 100% there's only been one that never sinned there's only been one that lived a perfect life and his name was Jesus Christ the only begotten son of God hallelujah Amen. And do you know what? When you made him the Lord of your life and accepted him as your Savior, that righteousness and obedience he put on your account and counted you righteous with his own precious righteousness. Amen. Paul said it's, it's the righteousness, righteousness that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith in Philippians 3 and 9. Paul also said to the Corinthians that God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin or to be a sin offering for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's right standing with God. And through faith in Christ, through faith in what he did at the cross, we are covered. Listen to me, saints. We are covered in the spotless righteousness of Jesus. He has given us his robe of righteousness. And when God looks at you, this is positional. This is imputed. When God looks at you and you are in Christ Jesus, that is how he looks at you and how he sees you as being in righteousness standing with God not of works that you have done but through what Jesus did at Calvary well that ought to make us shout a little bit to know that's how God looks at us Amen. he's not looking at you in Christ now seeing you as an old dirty rotten sinner you were that all of us were that but in Christ now we've received his righteousness but there's another aspect 
There's another aspect of righteousness, and we're still talking about this breastplate, and that is practical righteousness. There is this, this imputed righteousness or positional righteousness that everybody gets when they get born again, but then there's a practical side to righteousness. And here's where the belt of truth comes in. He said to, to um, go, gird up your, your loins with the truth or your waist with the truth, the belt of truth. And so the belt of truth comes first. And once we have the truth, we have to apply the truth. And how many knows what the truth is? Jesus said concerning, said in his, his high priestly, priestly prayer to God in John 17, he said, your word is truth. There is an absolute truth. Amen. Truth is not subjective to just what you want to think it is or believe that it is. There is absolute truth, and it's in the pages of this book right here. It's in the Word of God. Let God be true, and every man a liar. Everybody that says this word, they can change it. They can rewrite it. They can do whatever they want to, but it doesn't change what God has said in His Word. His Word is truth. So we have to put on the belt of truth, the Word of God. And it's the belt of truth that holds everything else together because all of the armor falls apart unless it's held together by the, by the truth of God's Word, the absolute truth of God's Word. And this is what practical righteousness is. This is what practical righteousness is. Practical righteousness is putting into practice what God has told us and said to us in His Word. Is that, is that too deep? No? That's pretty simple, isn't it? That's what practical righteousness is. It's, it's when God works His truth in our hearts and we put Put it into practice and we live out that truth and live out that righteousness every day of our life. See, it's not enough. You know, it's, let me put it this way. It's not all there is to it just to have positional righteousness. But if you have positional righteousness, then you're going to live that righteousness out every day. You will bear the fruit of righteousness. Can I get an amen today? You with me? You'll bear the fruit of righteousness. So the breastplate of righteousness. Now, get, get this today. This is so important in our battle against the enemy. The breastplate of righteousness is knowing that we have his imputed righteousness, but that breastplate is also a devout and holy life, the devout holy, righteous life of the believer. There is no substitute today, saints, for living an obedient life before God. A holy life, a righteous lifestyle is a tremendous defense against the powers of darkness and against Satan. Because listen, hear me today. Is everybody listening? You cannot prosper in the Christian life without living a life of righteousness and holiness. Amen? Amen. That's, and, and that's what so many are being taught today. They teach the positional righteousness that, well, you're, we're righteous in Christ, but then they go on and say, well, it doesn't matter how you live. You've still got that positional righteousness with God. But it does matter how you live because if you've been made righteous with His righteousness and you're yielded to that righteousness, you're going to live a life of righteousness. Amen. It's not I that live, but it's now Christ and his righteousness living in me and through me. Have you got on the breastplate of his righteousness today? Amen. 
See, it's Satan's job. I mean, he seeks to undermine pure, clean, holy living. And he's doing that today, full time. He wants, to, he wants us, Satan wants us to laugh at sin instead of mourning over sin. And, and a lot of people are doing that today. He wants us to rationalize sin instead of confessing and repenting of sin. And we need to confess it and repent of it. See, Satan seduces us to become so used to sin and um, that, that, that is around us every day that, that, that it no longer bothers our conscience. And that's what's happening even within the church world today is that the church and Christians are becoming so acclimated to the sins of the world that we can't even blush anymore and nothing, nothing uh, convicts us anymore we've become callous to sin and it used to be that our hearts were tender and our hearts need to remain tender before the Lord are you with me so once Satan gets us to where sin no longer bothers our conscience then he's caught us with our breastplate off so your heart has to be main, remain tender before the Lord. Our obedience to the truth guards the heart against the assaults of the enemy. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 13 and verse 12, he says that we are to put on the armor of light. We are to cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. And in verse 14 of Romans 13, he says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. What is he saying there? Strip off sins of darkness. See, as, as, as children of light today, church, we have no business fellowshipping with the unfruitful works of darkness. And that's what the scripture says. Paul said it in Ephesians 5. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them for it's a shame, it's an embarrassment to even talk about what they're doing in private. This world is a cesspool. This world is a sewer. This world is full of slime and uncleanness, but God has called us out of this world and given us his righteousness and he says don't have any anything to do with those unfruitful works of darkness cast off the armor and the clothing of darkness and put on the armor of light and put on the Lord Jesus Christ and let him live his holy life through you Woo! hallelujah come out from among them he said and be separate saith the Lord I've got to move along here or I'm not going to get finished so we have that breastplate. Do you understand the breastplate? It's clothing ourselves with his righteousness, with his holiness, so that we're, we're protected by that breastplate, that, that we have his righteousness in our life. But the second thing that Paul mentions in verse 15, he says, And have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The, the shoes... The shoes of the soldier or the boots of the soldier that were so important. You know, in warfare and in spiritual warfare and regular warfare, the right footwear is vital. How many knows that? 
Soldier's life, a soldier's life depends upon the correct footwear. They, these soldiers, you know, if they're in, if you've been in military, you know, in, in boot camp, uh, they march long distances. They climb over different terrain, over rocks, over mountains. They go through swamps and through water and all kinds of different terrain that they travel. And that soldier has to have a good, uh, some good shoes. Has to have good foot protection if they want to have stability and uh, you know the wrong shoes how many of y'all know that the wrong shoes can make your life miserable Huh? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I mean, they maybe look good and they look pretty and I really like them, but they're killing my feet. Amen. And they can make your life miserable. So his shoes are very important to a soldier's life, important to our life. His shoes are very, very important in our, our warfare against the enemy because the gospel of peace, he said, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace is the good news that believers are at peace with God through Jesus Christ. And this gospel of peace, these shoes, what do they give us? They give us a sure and a firm and a confident foundation. Praise God. We're standing. We've got the shoes of peace. That word peace, you know, in the Bible is, is the word shalom. And it means completeness and wholeness and soundness and wellness. And so he's saying that our relationship with God is complete if we've got the gospel of peace we've been we have peace with God God's not our enemy anymore can I get an amen I said he's not our enemy anymore there's no more enmity Jesus nailed all that to the cross moved it away and now God who one time was our enemy is now our father and we are his sons and daughters and that's the peace that we have with God hallelujah the war between you and God, if you're saved, is over today. Amen? That shalom, that completeness, that wholeness that he has given us. Peace with God that there is no more sin blocking our relationship with the Lord. But these sandals or these boots, or these shoes of this Roman soldier would have metal studs or hobnails that had been implanted in the soles of those shoes so that that soldier would have firm traction so that he wouldn't be slipping and sliding so that he would not uh, be easily pushed backwards and he said it's the preparation the, 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 the shoes put on these shoes of the preparation of the gospel of peace that word preparation means readiness it means foundation the meaning of that word preparation means to be established on firm ground and to have firm footing and that's exactly what God God wants you and I as believers to have as we stand against the attacks of the enemy is to be sure-footed where we're not slipping, we're not sliding backwards, we're not easily moved, but that we're established, that we're firm, and that we're planted firm in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're standing our ground like we talked about last week. As a matter of fact, it's the same word used in stand and withstand there in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse Verse number 13. So we're standing our ground. Have you ever known some, some, some believers, Christians, church folks? I don't know. You know, only God knows what they are. That are in and out. 
You ever seen that? They're in church a while and you think they're going to do good. Then they're back out in the world. Then they're back in church and they're back out in the world. And they never really get a firm stance in the things of God. Satan just pushes them back and pushes them down. There's a chink somewhere in their armor. They're not, they're not standing with the gospel of peace. Come on. They're not, they're not standing on a firm, firm foundation. But God wants us to have our feet prepared with the gospel of Jesus walking in the paths of his word and standing sure-footed in the gospel of his peace. But let me tell you this. Not only is it peace, not only do we have peace with God, but here's such an important thing, is that we have the peace of God. The peace of God. Is so important because just as there are two kinds of righteousness, there are two kinds of peace. Many believers that are saved have peace with God, but they lack the peace of God. Even through the battles that we go through, difficult times in our life, we can have, listen, whatever the circumstances, whatever the situations that we might be, be facing in life, whatever attack the enemy brings against us, if you've got these shoes on, you can have the peace of God in your life and in your heart. Amen? Paul said it in Philippians, one of my favorite passages of Scripture. In Philippians 4, 6, and 7, he said, Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will keep your hearts and guard your hearts and your mind through Christ Jesus. I love the way the New Living Translation says it. It says, Paul says, don't worry about anything. Boy, we need to get a hold of that. Don't worry about anything. But instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all that He's done. Then, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. It's a peace that you can have, ladies and gentlemen, in the midst of adverse situations, in the midst of the battle, in the midst of the storm. Hallelujah! Instead of worrying, you can have the peace of God that guards your heart and mind and he said it's something that nobody can understand or figure out hallelujah how you can have such peace when everything when all hell's broke loose all around just that peace that Jesus had when he slept in the back of the boat while the storm was tossing it on the sea it scared the, the disciples nearly half to death but Jesus was asleep why he had perfect peace that in the storm everything was going to be alright. How many believes everything's going to be alright? Hallelujah. Give him praise. Yes. He said don't worry about anything. That, that, that's the problem with so many of us. I'm not going to I'm going to I started to say you know everybody that, that never worries raise your hand but I won't do that. I think we've all had a bite out of that apple. That word worry comes from a, that's used in Philippians 4 and 6. 
anxiety, anxious. It comes from uh, a Greek root word that means to be pulled in different directions. How many has ever felt that way? I mean, you know, you're just being pulled in different directions. And that's exactly what worry and anxiety does to a person. It pulls you in different directions. You're trying to believe God. You're trying to trust the Lord in the midst of your trouble, in the midst of your storm. But then you've got this worry and anxiety that's pulling you the other way, saying, well, what if it doesn't work out? What are you going to do? Everything's going to get bad. And I'm going to tell you something. The Bible's very plain, ladies and gentlemen, very explicit when it tells us do not worry. Jesus said it in Matthew chapter 6. He said, take no thought, no anger anxious thought for your life don't worry about anything Jesus said you see he feeds the father feeds the fowls of the air clothes the lily of the field and Jesus said won't he take care of you won't he feed you won't he clothe you hallelujah I believe that he will somebody needs to shout amen if you believe it today hallelujah so much stress In the world today, people are just stressed out all the time. Shouldn't be that way for Christians. Stress, you know, stress causes your heart rate to go up. Then it causes your arteries to constrict, which causes your blood pressure to raise. Stress, they've even proven that stress weakens the body's immune system. And it makes your body more susceptible to disease. Worry and stress does. It, it's a chink in your armor. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's a chink in your armor. If you're all stressed out and you're all worrying about everything all the time, you're not trusting the Lord. You need to put on your shoes. I'm not getting on to you. I'm just telling you. I'm in the same boat. But there's stress factors that... that that are created because people are worrying. And Paul says, in nothing be anxious, in nothing worry. Today, there's a fretful anxiety that's robbing so many Christians of their peace. So many are like Martha, you know, there in Bethany. Jesus goes there, and she's, she's scurrying around the kitchen. She's, she's fretting about what they're going to eat. She's trying to prepare a meal, and she gets all stressed out. Remember that, Martha? Martha? She's all stressed out. Where's Mary at? She's propped down there, sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to him, listening to his word. Martha comes in there. She's mad. She's all stressed because Mary's not helping her. She comes in there and says, Jesus! Won't you make her help me? She ain't doing nothing. I'm doing all this myself. And you know what Jesus says to her? Martha, Martha. Man, when he calls your name twice, he's trying to get your attention. Trying to stray. Martha, Martha. He said, you're stressed out. You're troubled about too many things. He said, you need to be like Mary. She's chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Hallelujah. You know what will cure your stress? Just get at the feet of Jesus and hear his word and hear his his Holy Spirit speaking to you he will calm your fears he will calm your stress he will calm your worries casting all Peter said casting all of your care upon him for he cares for you just like that fisherman brother Hank takes that lure and throws it casts it casts it way out there in the lake that's what he said do with your cares do with your worries do with your problems take them to Jesus and cast them out there and give them to the Lord let him have your troubles and you do it in prayer pray about everything give your cares 
to the Lord. Put on the shoes of peace and stand in the readiness of the gospel of peace against all the attacks of the enemy that come your way. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, praise God. I see you excited about that. So we'll try something else. <laughs> praise God. So we've got the breastplate of righteousness held on by the belt of truth. We've got our shoes of peace standing firm, anchored in the gospel of his peace. And then... He says in verse 16, Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. The shield of faith. In Paul's day, Roman soldiers used several different kinds of shields. They had a small round shield that was about two feet in diameter that was held and secured to their arm by a couple of leather straps that they used in close combat, hand-to-hand combat to use to, you know, deflect the sword of the enemy or their javelin, javelin or whatever, that small, that small shield. But then they also had a large shield. And the Greek word that Paul used here, uses here concerning the shield of faith is that large shield. It was, it was a Greek word that meant door. So it was a larger shield. It was about two and a half feet wide and about four and a half feet high. And it was a shield that was designed to protect the entire body of the soldier. Now, he's, we haven't talked about the helmet. We'll get into that next, next time. But the helmet of salvation. And you've got on the breastplate the helmet and your loins girt with truth, your shoes of peace. But he said, above all, hold up above all the shield of faith. This faith that guards you, this shield that will protect your whole body. And that's the shield Paul refers to here. It was a shield that was made of wood. Sometimes it had some metal on the outside, but it was covered in leather. And they would take this shield and soak it in water before they went to battle. And the, the, the leather would absorb the, the leather would absorb the water. And so the shield then could quench or extinguish the fire arrows that the enemy shot at them because the enemy would take the tip of their arrows dip them in some pitch or some tar and light them on fire and so they were flaming arrows that the enemy would shoot at the soldier that's what Paul was talking about here the fiery darts or the fiery arrows that the wicked one is shooting at you how many's ever been hit by one of those fiery darts or fiery arrows of the wicked so they would soak that leather, that, that, that shield in, in water, it would extinguish those fiery arrows that came at that soldier. One historian that I read this week, one historian reported that one soldier, particular soldier, came back from the battle and had 220 arrows stuck into that shield, but he himself was unharmed. Why? Because it guarded and protected his whole body. That's why Paul said, above all, oh, come on, somebody ought to say amen, above all. All take the shield of faith. Take the shield. That word take means raise.
raise up to take something up in order to use it. Let me tell you something this morning, Abundant Life Family Church. We must be people of faith. We are. We are. You know, Christians are to, to we, we get saved by faith. We got to live by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. We are people of faith. and We must use our faith against the enemy. Don't ever say, listen to me today. Don't ever say, well, I just don't have any faith. If you're saved today, if you're a child of God, you have been dealt a measure of faith. That's what Paul said in Romans 12. You've got a measure of faith, but you need to develop it. You need to grow it, and you need to lift it up. I don't care how big or how small your faith is. Lift up that shield of faith. Your confidence in God, your faith in God, your believing in God. Lift it up and quench the fiery darts and attacks of the enemy. Woo, hallelujah. That's what faith is, ladies and gentlemen. It is your confidence in God. Have we lost our faith, our confidence in God and His Word? That's what faith is. Faith, Paul said, is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. And there are two kinds of faith, just as there are two kinds of righteousness, just as there are two kinds of peace, there are two kinds of faith. There's the faith, now hang with me here, we're almost done. Don't, 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 don't leave me now. Amen. <laughs> There's the faith that gets you born again. There's the faith that you place in Jesus Christ to get saved and to be brought into the family of God. That is saving faith. That's the belief and trust in Jesus as your Savior and your Lord. And the Bible says that we are saved by grace through faith in Christ. Amen. That's the only way you can get saved. You're not getting saved by religion. You can't get saved by religious works or good deeds. The only way you can get born again and get saved is by God's grace and your faith in what Jesus did for you at Calvary's cross. That's the only way. It's not about what you do. That's religion. Religion says you need to do something. Hallelujah. Christianity says Jesus has already done something. Somebody ought to say amen today. Oh, hallelujah. I'm, whew, it's time to go and I'm feeling like preaching now. Thank God for saving faith. But that's not the kind of faith that Paul's talking about here. This Soldiers already exhibited saving faith and he's saved. He's got on the breastplate of righteousness and the shoes of peace and the helmet of salvation, but he's got to lift up the shield of faith. This is believing faith. Aren't they the same, Brother Rick? No, no. Saving faith gets you in the family of God, but believing faith is the trust and the confidence in, in Jesus Christ and in his finished work as your deliverer, as your conqueror. See, it's faith in Christ as my healer, my provider, my victory giver. This is the faith that Paul's talking about here. It's your absolute and my absolute confidence that Jesus Christ, listen to me, listen to me, that Jesus Christ at the cross totally defeated the powers of darkness and that he gave me and gave you the victory that he won at Calvary. 
That's the faith that he's saying, lift that up. You lift that faith up, see, and you tell, you're telling the devil, oh, no, you don't. Not today. I think we talked about that T-shirt. Not today, Satan. Oh, no, I already know what Jesus did for me at Calvary. I lift up the shield of faith. You're a defeated foe, and the blood of Jesus Christ is against you. I am victorious through the finished work of Christ. Amen? First John says it. John says it in First John 5 and 4. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory. And this is the victory. Say it with me. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith. What overcomes the world? Your faith. Your faith in Christ. Your faith in the blood. Your faith in the cross and what he's done for you. See, faith says God can do it. Big faith says God. God will do it. But great faith said God has done it. God has done it. And he's done it through his son Jesus Christ. Oh, I'm trying to be sophisticated, but it's hard to do. I get a little excited. Listen to me, saints. We do not fight for victory. I want you to get this. We are not fighting in this battle for victory. We fight from victory. There is a difference. There is a difference. We are fighting and standing. That's why he said, stand therefore. And that's what it is. You're standing in steadfast in the victory that Christ has already won. And in His power, in Christ's power, we are invincible. There's no defeat because Jesus has already won the battle. And the outcome, if you'll stand in that faith, if you'll believe that, if you'll lift up that shield, listen to me, the outcome is certain. No reason why any believer be defeated by the powers of darkness. We're not trying to obtain victory. What we're doing is enforcing the victory that Christ Jesus has already secured. This is faith in Jesus. This shield is faith in Jesus for victory over sin and victory over all the demonic forces of hell. And if you don't lift up that shield, if you don't know what he's provided, if you don't know what he's done, if you don't know who you are in Christ, that faith shield is down and you are unprotected. You have to know who you are in him and who he is and what he's done for you in his finished work. Amen. I'm telling you some good news today. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Worship team, make your way back up to the, to the platform. We're going to close this morning. That's the faith we need. See, listen, we're not perfect and God has not promised us sinless perfection in this life. Thank God at the rapture when the trumpet sounds, we will have sinless perfection. But we're not, we're not sinlessly perfect. But I'll tell you what he has promised us. What he has promised and provided for us is victory over sin. 
You don't have to be a slave to sin, a slave to fear, in bondage to the enemy. You've been promised victory through the cross. Proverbs 3 and 5. I'm just going to read you some verses, get a hold of them, jot down the references. I'm not going to comment on them if I can help it. (laughs) Proverbs 30 and 5. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield for those who put their trust in Him. Psalm 91 and 4. His truth, God's truth, shall be your shield and buckler. 1 John 4, 4. You are of God, little children, and have, not going to, you have overcome them because greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. Revelation 12, 11. You ought to know this one by heart. And they overcame him, speaking of Satan, by the blood of the Lamb. By the blood of the Lamb. Say it with me. By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Hallelujah. The blood has defeated the powers of darkness. James 4 and 7. Therefore submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And that word resist is the same word that's used in Ephesians 6.13 that means to take a firm stand or to withstand. Let me tell you something. Abundant Life Family Church, we are victors in Jesus Christ. The crucifixion of Christ, the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus have won for us everything that we need to fight and to be victorious in this battle. Believers, you've been provided with the very best of armor today that God has given you. So put it on. Come on, somebody. I know there's been churches in the past where everybody's dressed up in army fatigues and they've came in and they've done a bunch of spiritual warfare and and all of this warring tongues and different things like that there's nowhere in the Bible that it says you have to do all of that mess amen there's nowhere that says that we have to go through the motions some people do that I guess it's okay if you want to but you don't have to go through the motions of putting all this on just put your faith in Jesus Christ put on the Lord Jesus Christ he is your righteousness he is your salvation he is your breastplate he is your shoes of peace he is everything you need and victory is yours through the Lord and the weapons that he has given you today. Let's stand. Let's stand. Let's stand. Let's worship him as we sing something today. Hallelujah. Oh, praise your name, Jesus. Let's lift our hands and give him worship. Let's give him worship. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, if there's an enemy that's attacking you, if there's a chink in your armor, you need to get that taken care of this morning. Come on. You need to put on that breastplate of God's righteousness. Gird up that belt. huh? Come on, pull that belt of truth tight. Oh, walk in His ways today. If there's something in your life you need to get right, repent, ask His forgiveness, and claim the forgiveness of His blood. But oh, the most important thing, ladies and gentlemen, is that we understand what He's given us today and stand in that victory. Stand in that victory. Stand in that victory. You don't have to be defeated another day. Jesus Christ has given you all you need to be victorious over the enemy. As they sing,
If you're here this morning and you need special prayer, these altars are open. If you need to be saved, these altars are open. If you're sick in your body and need healing, these altars are open. Come and find a place and pray and let us pray with you and believe with you. God's got something good for your life today. Come on, let's worship Him. He is my faithful Father calling me out of the dark and I cannot whisper away what he says in life for he is my firm foundation my anchor won't be Storms may collide, but my soul is on fire with His Word. And we'll listen to the sound of power on my lips. Jesus has broken the curse. He has never lost a battle. A battle Cause he is my faithful Father Calling me out Of the dark And I cannot whisper away What he oh, said in the light Hallelujah Jesus is he here is today He is my firm He's foundation the waters anchor are being stirred be today. You step in. Storms get your life up my blessing soul. today. So what you need from Jesus word. today. Let him have your way. Have we'll his way in your to life. The sound of power on my lips. Jesus has broken the curse. He has never lost. A battle, oh, and who are you, great mountain, that you should not bow low? Jesus defeated the darkness, he has never lost a battle. Oh, do you believe that today? He's never lost a battle. And Christ's Redeemer, we remember. Won the war in Jesus, mighty overcomer, our defender has conquered Christ's Redeemer. We remember He has won the war in Jesus, mighty overcomer, our defender has
service this week. Next Sunday, morning and evening, Terry Carter will be with us. And then the following Sunday, we'll be into December already. And uh, we'll continue. I've got another, at least one more message to do on this armor. So uh, praise God. Great things are ahead. You have a great week in the Lord. Do your best to come back and be a part of Sunday night tonight. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. God bless you. We love you. I've got joy in the struggle. I've got peace in the storm. I've got strength in the battle. I won't fear anymore. I'm a child of heaven. My hope is secure. I've got joy because I've got Jesus. He gave me beautiful ashes, turned my life around. He broke my chains and now I dance on solid ground. For all he's done to save me, I will raise my voice. I've got Jesus, so I've got joy I've got joy so I've got joy one more time
I told.